Running a successful automotive YouTube channel may seem like a dream job, but it takes a lot of hard work. Some of the hardest times to shoot are the best times to shoot. Like people love to see failure and they love to see struggle. And those are the hardest times to shoot. Welcome to What Moves You, a Speedway Motors podcast where we tell the stories behind the cars and the people who build and drive them. I'm Joe McCullough, and for the first episode of our third season, Emily and Aaron Reeves join us to talk about what it takes to build a successful automotive YouTube channel. They've worked hard to make their channel, Flying Sparks Garage, into a place that inspires enthusiasts by showing real people building real cars. You know, I would normally start one of these interviews asking, like, how did you first get into cars? You know, talk to me about, like, seeing that Camaro when you were in kindergarten or whatever. But I sort of feel like with you two, I have to start with with how you met each other. That's a, yeah. it's a good question. Yeah. It's, um, that's, that starts off how, how I got into cars. So it's, it's a great question. Um, we met when we were kids, actually. We went to church together. Um, and he was 17 and I was 14 when he asked to drive me home from youth group and he was driving his little 78 Datsun 280Z. And, um, I always thought he was super, super cool. He was like a skater dude, had a cool car. So he was like a car dude, but my family wasn't into cars. So I didn't know what it was. I just knew he was super cool. Um, and he drove me home and that was really the start of it, but Mm -hmm. he, he was, um, friends with my parents, really. My parents were super integrated with the youth group. And my mom had always been like, he's a really nice kid. And Emily, you know, you should talk to him. I'm like, mom, he's 17. He's never going to talk to me. She's like, I don't know. He might like you someday. I'm like, maybe so. Um, and it's really funny because it just sort of unfolded and, and the rest was history because we started hanging out and, um, I just wanted to be with him all the time. And, he was working on stuff all the time in the shop. So there I was in the shop right next to him working on stuff. And that started my love for cars and my love for this dude right here. So, so Aaron, where did the car thing then come from? So I, it, it's really funny. I, I grew up in the diesel business. I built 18 wheeler engines, you know, for the last 20 years. I'm fourth generation in that business. I've, oh, wow. Some of us drove trucks, some of us worked on them, but, but have been in that business forever. And I think, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe just because I was wrenching, I got interested in cars, but also it was kind of necessity because my my dad wasn't going to buy me anything. So I had to figure out, you know, how to, to create money and how to buy a car and stuff like that. And it's funny, when I was like 11 years old, I bought a Chevrolet Chevette that had a blown head gasket on it and I fixed it flipped it and then bought a 69 Chevy pickup with that ended up selling that one. Then I bought a couple MGs, did stuff with them. This is all before I'm like 15. Right. And then ultimately got myself into the Z car and that's, that's what I drove. So I, I just like mechanical things. It's fun for me. I I understand it. Well, I've been around it so long. I think I did it for a living because it, it just feels good to accomplish stuff. So I feel like this, this is the point where I would, I would ask about, the YouTube thing, like where that came from. But I feel like we're skipping over a lot of Emily and Aaron history if we go straight to the YouTube channel, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because the YouTube channel is really only seven years old. And we've been together for 21 years, oh, <laughs> which is wild. <laughs> yeah, when we meet really young adults that are like 20 years old, we're like, weird, you could you could be our kid. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> not right. But totally, that's the way time is. It's very, very strange. Mm -hmm. um, so we we bought our house when I was 19 and he was 22. And we got married a year later. The house that we bought was adjoining my parents' property. And when that property came up for sale, I was working. I started modeling and acting the same year we got together. So I had a job early on that I was making money at and I was really ambitious with. And um, he was obviously working since he was a young boy. Um, so the house and property came up for sale next to my parents. And we were like, let's buy it. And so we lived together at 19 and 22 and then everybody kind of in the community and everything was like are you kids ever gonna get married we're like yes <laughs> we are so we got married when i was 20 and he was 23 and we really just hit the ground running as young adults and um, making a life that we were excited about and we were always very ambitious and aaron always wanted to get out of the big truck shop his, his family business. He, mm -hmm. he never really liked it. He was always super good at it. I, I appreciated it. Yes. Like it, it served me really well, but it's, right. it's really not what I want to do. I, I saw my dad kind of just beating his body up mm -hmm. and I thought, man, I, I can't do that until I'm 50 years old. Like I want to be active. I, and I mean, I could see that, you know, you go by the, the, I, I have like zero diesel experience, but you know, you look at those shots, it's not like a small block Chevy cylinder head that you can just kind of like lift off and throw on the workbench. Like it's a totally different scale of operations. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm torquing main bolts on the crank to 450 pounds. Oh jeez. And I, I'm a small guy. So you, you can imagine I'm like bear hugging it and then putting my feet up on the frame just to <laughs> get another click out of it. I mean, it, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> so we had started probably five businesses by the time we decided mm -hmm. to start the YouTube channel. We were into um, hauling cars. We had a transport company mm -hmm. that we finally just gave up on. Yeah, when... that's, that's a funny story. I couldn't get insurance <laughs> or, or I wasn't allowed to, to drive for like another company. And I thought, you know, that'd be really fun to do. I like cars. I like trucks. And so I tried to get into it, but I was too young. So I went and got my entire operating authority, all my DOT stuff, and just built the company myself. And we did that for three years until 08, 09 happened. And it just got, it got too rough. Like you couldn't afford to run. Right. So we gave up on that business and he went back to the big truck shop and I was still hustling with modeling and acting and and that business has always been good. Um, it really didn't mm -hmm. get bad until COVID. It it totally quit 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and it's come back some sense. But thankfully, we've had enough success with YouTube that I'm able to kind of pick and choose what clients I work with in that industry, right. which is really fun because there's a handful of people I love working with and a handful that I'm like, no, give that to, you know, another girl that needs the work. So, yeah. Um, it's been really awesome, but mm -hmm. um, YouTube was the first business that we started together that really felt like we both had a lot of heart in it, and right. man, has it been 
the hardest thing we've ever done, but the most worthwhile thing we've ever done. Right. And I, I feel like that heart comes through in the channel. Like I'm, I suspect that's probably why a zillion people watch your shows because I feel like that sort of comes through. You're not tough guy, been there, done that kind of attitude. It's, you know, here we are figuring it out as we go. We love each other and we love what we're doing. Like, I think it's fantastic. Thank you. So when, when you get, get to the YouTube thing, like where, where did that idea come from? Like where, what made you say, I want to be a YouTuber? So Aaron had started a company with a friend of ours um, called A New Way to Market. And it was like right when social media marketing was getting going. So they were marketing through Twitter and Facebook and various social media platforms that were just starting. And he learned a whole bunch about YouTube and about marketing on social media and on the Internet. And he was like, this is where marketing is going to be. And I'm like, dude, I know like this is awesome. That particular business didn't feel right to him to remain in. So his friend still works in that company, but we, we exited that, uh, sort of branch of the business, mm -hmm. but we kept that knowledge and, um, and, and I started a YouTube channel yeah. at the same time and I started <laughs> doing diesel conversions. And it, I mean, it, it wasn't a, a big channel or anything, but it was early on and I was featured in like Jeep magazine and all this kind of stuff for doing diesel conversions on teams mm -hmm. come and swaps yeah <laughs> oh okay yeah <clears throat> yeah and so he he knew the power of youtube and what it could do we were mm -hmm. getting all this business and we really kind of didn't want it like we didn't really want to be doing you know we didn't want to have a shop that did diesel conversions because we couldn't figure out how to actually make money doing it it was all yeah time and time and money and investment and draining. And we were like, we don't want to have customers. We want to work and on our own stuff. I, I was doing everything myself and well, Emily mm -hmm. would assist, but I didn't have employees. And so it just got overwhelming. I, I basically developed so much work that I just couldn't stand it. Right. I'd start turning people away. So, um, in 2015, we had my GTO Roxy on the dyno. He had gotten me headers for Christmas. And so after Christmas, uh, we had the car on the dyno and we were putting a fresh tune in it with my headers and the oil pump went out. And so it started knocking and it was very, very sad, like a super mm -hmm. sad moment for me because I was so excited about my new headers. And then that happened and we had to trailer the car home and it was such a bummer. And a couple of days later, I was like, okay, Aaron, like we have to look at this as a new chapter. Let's start a YouTube channel that's us, that's working on cars. And I'll start, you know, sending proposals out to companies because we know this is where marketing is. So we looked at it as a business from the onset. This wasn't just a hobby or something we were going to dabble in. We were going to do it and we were going to do it well. And we were going to get companies involved that wanted to market with real people and mm -hmm. DIYers and, you know, wanted to work with us because we're likable real people. And I just kind of, I love the business side of it. I love how marketing is now working with real people and, mm -hmm. and influencers as you, as the world calls it now. But it's so cool because that's where these big companies are spending their marketing dollars is mm -hmm. with real people that are genuinely happy and excited about their products. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not and they're just being salesy, then that that person is 
very see-through. Like right. the internet judges them negatively, <laughs> accurately, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't fly. So yeah. people that are real influencers in the world are genuinely excited about stuff. And I'm like, that's who we want to be. <laughs> so we want to be installing parts and components that we're genuinely excited about because mm -hmm. other people will also love the way that this camshaft sounds like I can't wait to get this cam and Roxy for everybody to hear it. And then everybody's going to be stoked on it and they're going to want to mm -hmm. buy it. And mm -hmm. that's, that's just the way it is. Like that's human nature. And we've got all these gearheads that follow us and they're stoked about building stuff mm -hmm. and they see us doing it and they see us make mistakes and push past them and, and it inspires them to get out there and make mistakes too. And yeah. And, and have fun. And we're honest about that. Yep. It's, you know, I, there's no telling how many engines I've built in my life. Thousand at least. Mm -hmm. But I'm working on a project right now. I've got a, a, a brake adjuster on an MG midget that's locked up. I've never done that before. So how do you go on camera and say, this is how you do it? Like, I can't like, I, I yeah. just have to, to work through it and figure that out. And that's, it's so neat when you see other people that are interested in cars say, Oh, I think I can do it too. Mm -hmm. okay? That's inspiring. Yeah. It's, that's a hard line to walk, you know, like for us, as we're creating content, you know, you're always going to screw up and there's always going to be stuff where you're like, man, I have never done this before. And like, how much of that do you show? Like, where is the line between sort of being relatable and like, oh man, I did, I've done that. I've been there before too. And being like, oh, this guy's an idiot. Why am I even watching his video? Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. We struggle with that too. And, and me specifically, I get really critical of my own knowledge like, I'm like, I'm always going like, oh, you know better than I do. Like, you shoot this. And he's like, no, Emily, like, people relate to you when you learn. You know, if you're honest with them and you say, hey, I, I know this and this and this. I've done this, but I've never done this, and I'm going to try this. Please tell mm -hmm. me down in the comment section how you would do it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's, it's just mm -hmm. real. And nine times out of ten, people like that. And the people that don't, go find an expert channel, someone that's truly going to tell right. you the right way to do it. Everybody wants to be a YouTube automotive, like, oh man, I can do this and people are going to send me free parts and I'm going to build my car and it's going to be great. I mean, you guys have actually done it. We've already sort of alluded to some of, some of this, but what would you say has made you successful? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that you have to, for me, I have to define success. So for me, what feels like success is having people tell us that we've inspired them or having a woman tell me she was inspired to go work on her husband's truck with her because she saw me out there working mm -hmm. with my husband. That those things, those heart things to me are success. Mm -hmm. um, but if we look at success in a monetary way or um, a way that the culture looks at success, like being on TV, you know, we had a TV show come out on Motor Trend that is perceived as success <laughs> um, or having companies pay you to use their products that can be perceived as success. Um, what's been the catalyst for all of that is our approach to be really authentic, but modest and family friendly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and try to do it in a way that benefits everybody. So um, the way that we shoot, we really try and show the product and talk about how we feel about the product. And that helps the companies that are selling product because 
you know, CRC and brake clean, we use that. We've used that for years and years. And if we tell people, hey, this is what we, this is our go-to product. Yes, to clean brakes, but we all know we use brake clean for so many things around oh, right. the shop. Yeah. Um, but, you know, CRC came to us and said, hey, we see you use our product. We want to work with you guys. All of these companies have marketing mm-hmm. dollars, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to want to spend money in a place that they feel like they're well represented. So being intentional and not talking crap about products or talking crap about, you know, right. it's, it's mm-hmm. all very intentional. We want to be a positive light to the things that we feel happy and positive about. So just that intentionality has made a difference mm-hmm. for our levels well, and, of success that we've seen. And we really cleaned the channel up. I mean, early on, I would cuss. Now, keep in mind, I was working at the big truck shop, coming home, working at nights in my shop. Oh, man. And so I'm like cracking a beer and then picking up a grinder and, and working. And, and early on, we learned that like families were watching this. So we oh, cut yeah. all that out. Yeah. And so I think a big part of our success is that we we managed to operate in this this area of individuals that can actually spend money. So 25 to 55-year-old like mm-hmm. dads and families. Right. And so, so I think our, our marketing value is a lot more than if you just see like a young girl that's out there in her bikini washing her car. A lot of the success has come from Emily's relationship building. Right. I mean, she's just good at it. I love that side of it. The relationship, the relationship business Mm -hmm. side. And then also the relationship with our viewership. Like Mm -hmm. I respond to nine out of 10 DMs that I get. Or mm-hmm. comments on the YouTube channel. I'll go in and respond to people. Comments on Instagram. Comments on Facebook. I really enjoy the engagement and I appreciate the engagement. So a lot of times I'll go and respond to them and um, show them that I'm there and I'm seeing everything mm-hmm. and I'm a real person and I appreciate their presence. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll respond to the haters and, you know, address mm-hmm. their concern. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, their critique and they like that too, you know. Sometimes the haters will turn around to be your biggest supporters if you give them a chance. Mm-hmm. Um instead of just delete them or disregard them or talk yeah. crap back to them like, you know, give them a chance to be a better person and sometimes they'll turn around and and be awesome and 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 that showing that side of your being humble yet strong, like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to stand for you talking this crap mm-hmm. about me. Like, I'm going to be a good person here and give you a chance to be nice. Other people see that and they respect you more for it because you actually are like a credible, nice person. And they're right, like, man, right. that's so cool, you know, and, and that's who I want to be, um, both in person and on, on the Internet. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is kind of an obvious question to somebody in your position, but like, people can be really mean on the internet. Uh, did you have to sort of grow a thick skin before you got to the point where you could sort of engage in the way that you're describing? Well, um, I have an interesting background about having a thick skin. Growing up in the fashion industry and having to hear no and having to hear critiques about things <laughs> like my look or my face or my body or my appearance mm-hmm. or even my personality when it was an acting job or something, people are very harsh in the fashion industry, in the commercial industry. So growing up doing that from age 13 or 14 on, I got really used to not taking things personally and allowing 
things to roll off and say, hey, you know, they may be right. You know, I may not fit the clothes as well, or I may not have the pro- the perfect look that they're looking for. But, you know, I'm myself. I'm comfortable with me. I love me. And maybe the next person I'm going to be perfect for. Mm-hmm. And just learning that when people don't like you, that doesn't have to mean that you're bad or that you're mm-hmm. not worthy. Um, <clears throat> it can mean that you may need to work on something. So there may be something that you can be better at and that they, there may, their critique may have some validity. So study mm-hmm. it and consider it, but don't mm-hmm. take it personally and don't feel like you're worthy, worth, uh, worthless because of how they feel about you. Yeah. So, um, going into being an influencer or somebody that's online that gets the brunt of a lot of people's anger or, you know, blind meanness, it's really not been a difficult transition for me. I mean, I can read it and I'm like, wow, that person must really be in pain or they must really be uncomfortable with themselves that they would go say mean things to a stranger online. I I genuinely feel sorry for them. Um, Very rarely does it get me upset. It it was a little bit more difficult for me. Uh, There's two sides for me. Jealousy, one. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's a lot of men that that say some things about Emily that I would in person punch them in the face. <laughs> Again, Texas boy. Um, but what's interesting is because we spent 15 years together before this, like that jealousy bone had kind of gone away. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, she's taking pictures with other dudes all the time and. They look in love and, and all, you know, it's the Doing modeling, modeling jobs, yeah. modeling mm-hmm. and acting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, so to some degree, I, I was already kind of calloused for that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I could deal with it. It's, it's just acting. It's fine. The thing that really bugged me was when they started picking on my work mm-hmm. early on. And so three or four months into it, I would just get so aggravated when they would, critique something I did. And then I I had to get to a point where I said to myself, you know, I built a lot of engines and a lot of engines that have ran six, 700,000 miles. Mm -hmm. And so if your opinion gives me information that's valuable to me, cool. If not, I I just don't care. I'm not going to pay attention to it because it doesn't add value to me. It just makes me frustrated. So Mm. I'm not going to worry about that. You guys are both at a pretty Zen place when it comes to that. It seems like it's probably an important ingredient. We we have to be. Yeah. It can be a source of a lot of heartache if you let it be. And so we just don't have space for that. There's too much to be thankful for. There's too many awesome people to focus Mm -hmm. on the not awesome Mm -hmm. ones. Oh yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. Most of the people are good. Yeah. There are so many wonderful people. It's a great way of looking at it. So you guys are more or less your own talent, producer, camera people. I mean, you kind of do it all. Is that, I mean, this is an obvious question. Is that hard? Is that hard to do to pull off all of that and keep kind of a high production value? What time did you come to bed last night? Yeah, I, so um, (laughs) (laughs) I've had to really, really... Um, be intentional about time management because I spend so much time editing because I edit all of our stuff and not only the final products that we put on YouTube, but we have 12 main sponsors that 
in the deliverables and the contracts that we've signed with them, I include to increase our value. I include um, sending them small cuts of each of our integrations that we do for them, um, cuts that they can use on social media, cuts that they can use for email blasts and things like that. Mm -hmm. So because I know that that's a lot of benefit to them, I include that in our packages of the contracts that we engage in. So I'm constantly editing and creating packets for all of our deliverables, for all of the companies that we work with. So I really need to get better about delegating and mm -hmm. handing those jobs over to skilled editors because I've gotten skilled at it. I've gotten very fast at it, but it's not the best use of my time. I stay pretty stressed and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually had to cap our partners this year because of that. Like mm -hmm. I realized I'm going to dilute myself for the people that are paying that are that you know, are expecting this from me and I'm spread so thin that I don't want to do that. So I capped our partners for this season because of that, because I haven't been able to delegate. I've just, I stay so covered up. So, um, when people type, you're lucky. <laughs> I want to be like, is it luck now? Or is it because <laughs> I'm up until at least midnight every night editing and <laughs> creating these relationships and mm -hmm. monitoring everything right. that's going on? Like, and, it's so much work. And early on in the channel, like it, it would appear that we're just having fun in the shop. We literally did not sleep a lot of nights. Yeah. We would take shifts. Like I would sleep an hour, get up, she would go lay down for an hour. Oh man. And like when you're getting into like April, May, you get into car season. Mm -hmm. Like we would be working at least twenty hours a day on a car. And then trying to have a job as well. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, like when we, we do, do a lot of builds for like Power Tour or Drag Week. So right. we'll be doing these builds and then we'll also be editing footage. So like these YouTubers out there that are getting videos out every week, every couple of days, they are, their hustle is insane. Mm -hmm. And folks just don't get that. We do a yeah. video a week and it is constant work. And um, you know, a lot of people are like, make more uploads, you know, post more videos. It's like, guys, well, it's, no, it's, you have no clue. Here, here, the perfect example is what I'm doing today. Those adjusters are locked up on the rear drum brakes of the MG. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a 20 minute episode. Probably. <laughs> We've probably already op worked. I don't know, six hours on it. Oh, I'm going to work another. I probably have two hours in it today. Two more hours once we get off this meeting and we'll get it all back together and it'll look like it was just 20 minutes. So people are like, yeah. ah, you know, just do more episodes. <laughs> like, oh, that's like when things mess up. Like I've got the entire rear axle torn apart right now for a brake job. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, that, we enjoy it, but, but that's a piece that people don't understand, I think. So maybe maybe somewhere in that answer to the secret of your success is hard work is is probably a pretty big part of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You we wouldn't have a final product um, if we didn't apply ourselves to a hundred percent. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our content is created around um, our lifestyle. So when we go on road trips or we go on boating trips, um, that. In theory, that's like unplugged time, like we're on mm -hmm. vacation or whatever. It looks like we are at least, but we're working the whole time. We're, yeah. we're filming, we're 
usually in old stuff that's breaking. So we're mm-hmm. wrenching on it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we have so much to be thankful for, but it's not without sacrifice that yeah. we're, we mm-hmm. are where we are. And, yeah. um, it's kind of that saying, like, if it were easy, everyone would do it. And mm-hmm. anybody that messages me that says, Hey, I've always dreamt of having a YouTube channel. What are your tips? I'm like, just start making videos. You'll yeah. see how hard it is and oh, yeah. hit me just up for work. questions. I'll help any way I can. But if you really want to do this, then just be prepared to work all the time if yeah. you want it to do anything. Mm-hmm. You talk about sort of having the cameras there just sort of as you're, you're living your life and sort of always being there because that's the position that you're in. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the moment at race week when you broke Roxy, like you pulled the shifter out or whatever. And, you know, like I've been in that position, broken race car, you know, it's going to be super gnarly to fix. And I, the last thing that I want is a camera there. You know, I just want to sit and cuss silently to myself. But but you set up the camera so that everybody can see kind of what's going on and what you're doing. Do you ever have a moment where you wish like, no camera, I'm all done with the camera? Like, do you ever do you ever feel that way? Some of the hardest times to shoot are the best times to shoot. Like people love to see failure and they love to see struggle. And those are the hardest times to shoot because you're frustrated. You don't want to be messing with a camera and make sure the lighting is good and make sure the audio is good (laughs) before you have to address this super frustrating catastrophe that is before you. (laughs) Like, let me be, let me think about all the other people before I address this huge problem in my life right now. Um, but, and, but that ends up being the best footage you get. And you'll see it. Like if you, if you watch our episodes, you'll see when I'm teed off, like I don't hide it from the camera. I just go silent mm-hmm. and I get to work. It, I know that I can't do what I want to do, which is like throw stuff across the shop, <laughs> but, but I will just be resting. You know what face? <laughs> <laughs> will be teed off, but I know she's going to have the camera out, so I just get back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's like uh, constant effort, that's for sure. For pictures of Emily and Aaron and a few of their projects, check out the toolbox at speedwaymotors.com by clicking the toolbox link on the front page. You can also check out their YouTube channel, Flying Sparks Garage. We'll also post a few images to our Facebook and Instagram. New episodes of What Moves You come out every two weeks on Tuesdays. If you like what you hear, tell a friend to listen to What Moves You on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You guys now basically work together full-time. Obviously, being married is its own sort of full-time job in its own way. Is that like have you come up with some tricks for sort of managing that i have (laughs) whiskey just kidding (laughs) well that that was a thing for a little bit but no i I go to my hangar every morning and work out and i I, i'll do a workout and i may sit in my recliner over there for an hour just dinking on my phone Mm -hmm. just alone time i mean i i'm an introvert so i need alone time or i'll go mow the yard the yards we have a handful of them, but, mm-hmm. but stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty tricky. I mean, working in the business together and being husband and wife, 
there's always crossover. And I am such a workaholic. I'm literally always thinking about work. I go to sleep mm-hmm. thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. Um, it's hard for me sometimes to realize like Aaron's not going to want to discuss the projects or he's not going to want to discuss the logistics of this meeting or this, that, or whatever. Um, just wait. And so we have structured when- times when we have meetings where we address different ideas. So I'll just make a note in my phone. Um, so I have to, I have to really respect the boundaries of being a wife and being a best friend and then being a business partner. So, and, and we're, we're trying, we're still trying to figure it out. Like yeah. we're, mm-hmm. we're still struggling with it, but, but I'm very much a do not talk to me first thing in the morning kind of person. Like I just, yeah. And I wake up ready to go. <laughs> I want to discuss this. I want to discuss that. I woke up in the night and had this idea. Oh, about the tire size on the Z card. I had a revelation. And Aaron's like, please, Emily, it's not, <laughs> it's 7 a.m. Yep. <laughs> you haven't even had coffee and you're talking my ear off. In in the first episodes of the show, it was just you, Emily. And then like Aaron sort of makes his way. Like, was that an intentional decision or was that just sort of something that happened by necessity? It was intentional in the fact that I didn't want to be on the camera. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I never wanted to. Yeah, he, he was he was always um, against being on camera. He was like, they don't want to see me. They want to see you working on stuff like let it just be you. And. Mm. The first build, we did the 408 Stroker on the GTO, and it was short videos, and we just kind of made it happen, and then we premiered the build on Power Tour. And a fair amount of people had watched the build series, Mm -hmm. and they knew who I was, but they didn't know who he was because he wasn't on the videos. And I was like, this isn't cool, babe. Like, I don't feel authentic. They watched me build this engine, but it's in our shop. You were there the whole time. Mm -hmm. We were discussing all this. You were coaching me. We were Googling torque specs together. I didn't do Mm -hmm. this by myself. I don't feel like I'm telling the truth without you being there on camera with me. And they don't know Mm -hmm. who you are, and I don't like that either. So I had to kind of be like, look, we got to do this together. And he had to step up and be like, okay, I'll I'll be on camera. Because... His his innate personality is to is not like mine. Not outgoing, no, not I, talkative. I, I'm a hide in the corner and figure something complicated out. Like that's my personality. And so talking to the camera is not something he's gonna be like, Oh yeah, that's great. So so doing the on camera stuff has been a huge struggle for him, but he's done so well. And I think after seeing himself on camera and seeing us and I don't ever try to tell him, hey, be like me. It's like, I like your personality. Mm-hmm. I like how dry you are. I think the yang and the yang of our personalities is good. Like, I'm dorky and bubbly and talkative. Mm-hmm. And he's chill and his he's very dry. And But he's humorous. Like, he says funny stuff. You just have to pay attention. And mm-hmm. I love that. Like, I, I love his personality probably more than I like my personality. I probably would annoy myself. But, <laughs> like... We mean that. And so I, I'm really thankful for the contrast of our personalities because. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's, it's like as introverted as I am, you can learn to do anything. Like you can be on camera, mm-hmm. you can be on stage, which we've done quite a bit. We, we have meet and greets, you know, I'm, I'm able to do all that stuff, but it was training for me. It wasn't natural. 
Like I literally had to just train myself to do it. But you come out the other end kind of a better person, like kind of a more well-rounded person. I I feel like I struggle with some of that too. Uh, You know, I, I am from a building cars in a hot rod shop background. And so then to, to go out and, you know, interview people that, that you don't really know, like that's hard, but, but I always feel so much better having done it. I always feel like, like I'm, you know, making myself self-improvement. We've sort of alluded to this already, but you know, Emily, you know, you're a woman in a space that sort of historically has been a very male dominated thing. Do you feel like you have to work harder to like earn credibility? In a way I do. Um, but I don't really feel I'm not very competitive. So if a man wants to feel like he's better at something than me, I don't have that innate like competitiveness to prove him wrong. I'm like, mm-hmm. good for you, bud. I'm going to try too, and we'll see where we get. You know, like I'm, I don't really take it personally. I'm like, I know typically men are stronger than women. Aaron's stronger than me. I'm not upset by that. Um, but that that's not going to stop me from trying and like still getting stuff done. But I, I, I genuinely feel like as a woman in the industry, I'm encouraged. I, I hear a lot of encouragement and, mm-hmm. um, I work to encourage other women, but I encourage men too. Like men need encouragement to do stuff just like women do. Men feel self doubt, apprehension. Can I do this job? No, I should just hire somebody to do it. Like we all feel the same things, man or woman. I, I, I'm not really a super activist in the women's rights stuff. Like we've got to prove that women are better. No, no, I don't feel like that's a thing. I think we're all great. We all have strengths. Um, I love welding and Aaron said women are always better welders because they're more attention to detail oriented and things like that. And I can see how I am a good welder because of that. But at the same time, I'm like, you too could have attention to detail and not be mm-hmm. worrying about all the things and trying to rush through it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think as men and women, we have, we have neat aspects of our personalities and strengths and weaknesses that we can all support and help each other with. And, and, uh, I genuinely feel a sense of encouragement from the industry being a female. I don't feel, um, nine times out of 10, I don't feel pushed down because I'm a woman. I'm not working in a dealership or like in a, on an oil change floor with a bunch of crass men. I think women that do do it like that do feel a lot of, you know, yucky stuff from mm-hmm. m- other mechanics. So I do definitely feel sad for them and understand why they feel like they need to prove themselves. But me specifically, I don't really feel like I need to prove myself. Do you wish it was just a non-issue, like something that people wouldn't ask you about in interviews? Do you wish it was just, just sort of... No, a- I don't mind talking about it because it's, it is it, it is unique. And I, I, when I first started working on cars, I felt this great sense of accomplishment because I didn't know any other women that built motors. Mm-hmm. And I felt like so cool. I felt like a badass. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know any women that like build engines and go rip around in hot rods. Like, this is awesome. So I felt sort of an inflated sense of self because of that achievement. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a good thing. Um, We tell our nieces all the time, like, hey, you can do boy stuff and it's fun. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it is boy stuff, but it's also can be girl stuff. 
Yep. So well, and that's that's something that our channel is changing. Hopefully, mm-hmm. get get more women involved. And, yeah. But Emily and I's relationship has been one of me encouraging her and saying, "No, you can figure it out." Like I will sit over here and be patient and watch you struggle with it, even though so badly I just want to deal with it. I just want to fix it. Yep. But I mean, after twenty years of doing that, it's like she can do some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, she's figured it out. Yeah. One of the things that he did really early on that was really cool um, that sort of defined my interest and passion for this industry was we were building an engine together and he installed one head and I installed the other. So I watched him torque the head bolts and I did the head bolts on this side. And after I finished, you know, doing the torque sequence and stuff, I was like, okay, I handed him the torque wrench. I was like, I'm ready for you to check my work. And he was like, I'm not checking your work. He was like, when we hit the key on this car and we go hurl it down the road, you need to know that you did that. You had a part in that. He goes, if I check your work, that's going to totally remove your sense of accomplishment that you're going to feel. And Good if, or bad. And he goes, and mm-hmm. if you messed it up, you need to feel that too because you're going to learn. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But it was true. Like, I still get chills to this day telling the story because it meant so much, like, Whenever we were ripping in the 69 Camaro down the dirt road, I just looked over at him and I was like, I am obsessed with this feeling. Like, (laughs) I helped put bolts in this engine that we're ripping down the road in. I don't know any other girls that do this. I've, we've got to do more of this. Like, it was Mm -hmm. the coolest feeling and I've been hooked ever since. And I was 15 years old. Like, we. And, and that's how my dad taught me. Yeah, it was. We just hit the ground running with that, and he's never been able to get rid of me. And and now we have twenty cars. (laughs) (laughs) What are your favorite in your fleet of now twenty one, twenty one cars? What What are your favorites? I don't even know. (laughs) I think it's twenty one. Well, I mean, my my favorite car is my seventy eight Datsun two eighty Z. First car we dated in it. We rebuilt it for our ten year wedding anniversary. Road Mm -hmm. tripped it on power tour. And it's just, it's just special. It's one of the first things I bought. Paid fifteen hundred bucks for it, and it took me three months to pay it off, or six months. I don't know. Just making small payments. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my car, my first car, Roxy, the GTO, should be my favorite car. But she's really my second favorite car. The Datsun is my favorite car too. Um, just the feelings that I get when I walk up on that car, because that's what we dated in. We had our first kiss mm-hmm. in that car. Like there's so many memories and it's such a special car to me because of that, um, that that's my favorite car. <laughs> and Roxy's my second favorite, very, very close second favorite. We, but We did just buy a, another car that's very special to us. It's a 91 300ZX twin turbo. It's low mileage. It belonged to a family friend and he bought it brand new. And I, I've been watching it ever since I came into this family. I've been asking him, like, dude, if you ever sell that car, I want to buy it. And eventually it was time and we got it. What What are your plans with that one? Or can you not say? So we're going to spoil. Oh, we can no, say. We, 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 we don't really it's keep a, secrets. <laughs> so the, the car is pristine. It's beautiful. But it's got a misfire in the engine. So we just bought new injectors. Mm-hmm. And... Spark plugs, Spark plugs and, and the, things like that. The timing so, belt kit. So, yeah. like, we, we have to replace the timing belt on on those engines. Like, it reaches a point where you have to 
go inside and replace the timing belt. And um, it has 70,000 miles, which I think that timing belt point is like 60 or 65. And But it's been sitting 20 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, so we have to do that. And it's quite unfortunate because it's like a mess of crazy oh. mystery parts on that car. Like we're so intimidated to work on it. But we've got a lot of people that are supporters. And like mm -hmm. I've got a handful of Z enthusiasts, though those specific engines um, on speed dial. And we've got to dig into it. So we've been mm -hmm. putting it off. We've been waiting for parts. We've been putting mm -hmm. off the parts that we do have. To yes. like, okay, we've got to do this and we've got to do it right. Um, so once we get that thing running nice, we're probably just going to do wheels and tires and maybe lower it's, it a little bit. I don't know. It's interesting. So we we don't have like overly nice cars. We have a lot of cars and and you would look at them and say they're nice. But, but this thing's like brand new. There's it's, not a dent in the entire car. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird one because... It's probably going to sit a lot. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to put miles on it. And I, that's not our nature. Like, we're not like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just too good. <clears throat> a car that we recently got that we're really excited about is um, our friend Newburn, which you know. Um, he had met this precious man named Dickie, and we had gone there with him and also met Dickie and his wife. We got access to his collection after he was tragically killed in back in February. And so we got to go there and we purchased a car that he had in a barn that was going to be his next restoration. And it is a very straight, very clean 57 Chevy 210. Has one dent on the hood. It's <laughs> so nice. The floor pans are intact. Like it's a really, really good car. And it was $7,000, which to us was a lot for buying a project car, but for what it is, it's worth way more, and it's oh, yeah. going to be our first really nice restoration. So we're going to pull the body off the frame and mm -hmm. do all this great, you know, restoration to the frame. We're going to do some awesome suspension. We're going to do beautiful wheels. We're going to do the paint ourselves. Um, and we've painted cars in the past, but never mm -hmm. this nice of cars. Yeah, so, I, I think we're going to get one of those. Well, I'm hoping we'll get one of those, like, blow-up paint booths. Oh, yeah. Just to keep everything clean. That'd be fun. Yeah. So that's a project we're really looking forward to because we're going to do a really, really good job. We're going to, it's, yeah, it's going to be one of those that we're going to be really protective of because mm -hmm. once we finish it, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's so nice <laughs> and it's worth money. You know, like mm -hmm. some of the cars that we have are only worth money to us. Like they're special because they are mm -hmm. ours. This one is actually going to be worth money and. Yeah. So that's going to be really, really fun. We're looking forward to that. Um, and then the other thing that we love is boat stuff. So because boat season's rolling back around and boat videos do incredibly well on YouTube for us, um, mm -hmm. we will be pulling the cabin cruiser back out and we really want to take it to Florida or some beautiful place where we can go in like a bay. We were intimidated by open ocean water, but we mm -hmm. do love fishing and we do love eating fish. So, um, we want to go somewhere where we can go camp on the boat, go fishing, um, create more lifestyle videos for our lifestyle channel, which we started last year that we 
are having a great time with once we get back to it. Mm -hmm. So that'll be really fun too. So car stuff, boat stuff, and then hopefully more airplane stuff this year too. So we have a lot to look forward to. We're excited. And you, the same time you got the 57, you got a 40 Ford. We did. Like I am, I am a hot rod guy. So like a 44, like, you know, is in my list of dream cars. What are you going to do with it? Like, because it's kind of, kind of rough. It's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. It was 1500 bucks. It has the flathead V8 and transmission still in it. Um, the back end has been hit, so it's crushed in the back end, but we've got a new fender and a new deck lid. And, and And, out at Dickie's, he built 40 Fords and 57 Chevys. So that's, he's got an influx of parts. Mm -hmm. Um, a huge collection there of parts, um, that we have access to. So, I really want to build it. I would love to build like a custom chassis for it though. Like put some yeah. sick suspension under it. Mm-hmm. I love a patina car. I think the patina is pretty awesome on it. Um, just kind of make a fun, like super sexy rat rod, but roadster sort of, um, car with it mm-hmm. i'm not real sure aaron says it's going to be yard art i say no <laughs> sir we're going to make that thing back on the road it's going to be kick-ass <laughs> but i don't know what when it will align with our schedule and yeah yeah i mean I we, we have enough projects for three years right now <laughs> oh yeah but i mean you guys do a great job of like having a super diverse group of cars and you know this is something that we've talked about on our podcast before. You know, it seems like in the past people were like, "Oh, I'm a you know Tri Five Chevy person, or I'm a Camaro person, or I'm a Ford person, or whatever." And it kind of seems like that's almost a thing of the past. Like, I mean, you guys are all over the place, love pickups and Z cars, and you know, like, do you agree? Like, do you see that that is sort of being the future? Where like I'm just into cars and boats and airplanes. I, I hope that's the future because there's so much neat stuff out there. Yeah, you know, I, I I get kind of disappointed with people that are like I, I only buy Fords from this year to this year or only Chevys. It's like, man, they're they're all cool cars. Just if you like it, buy it. Like, don't get so hung up on your ego when it comes to that kind of stuff. You're missing the opportunity to own a Chevy Love pickup with a flannel interior, right? Exactly, <laughs> and a diesel engine. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I I can't really tell you if, if people are. Or getting more open-minded about that or not. I feel like they are. And uh, in fact, I was reading a message yesterday from someone who lives in California. And he said, we see supercars all over the place where we live. But what perks me up is when I see an old car that looks like it has stories. And it's mm-hmm. been on adventures and it's got character. I want to learn about that car. I want to ask them where they got it mm-hmm. and where they go in it. And how's it running and what parts do you have? Like, I don't want to go talk to the dude about his McLaren. Like, I want to go talk to the dude with the awesome looking Nova. That And, and I love that because, you know, he's he's got taste for things that have personality and character Mm -hmm. and he respects the supercar guys just like we do i wouldn't i wouldn't tell the mclaren guy no if he asked if i wanted to go take a rip in it i'd be like yeah let's freaking Mm -hmm. do it but you know same to the guy that's got a neat old rat rod be like you want to go rip around in this yes sure do so yeah i mean it's it's so great what are your goals for the future you've obviously got lots of projects lined up but i mean what what do you see coming down the road I think the future for me looks like 
it, we've got the revenue where we need it to be. And it's, it's going to be hiring people to alleviate some of Emily's pressures and then some of the stuff that I should be doing that I'm not doing to, to fill that gap. And I want to get back in the airplane more and, you know, maybe take one of our boats down and leave it in Galveston or Florida and fly back and forth and be able to make more memories like that because we've really sacrificed over the last five or six years. Like we've, there's really not been a vacation necessarily. It's all been videoing and working and, and we've had a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but, but it's been very much focused on the business. And so I think just finding a little bit of, a little bit of balance with that. Delegating and intentionality with time management, continuing that journey will yeah, be and, awesome. And the channel will grow too. Like that, yeah. that's a part of it. Yeah. That will help when, us be able to create when, more. And if, if you can take me, who's an individual that operates really well with my head down working, mm-hmm. I can get a lot more done if there's a camera person following me and I don't have to set it up, move it, wait. You know, if, if I can just get my work done, we can get a lot more videos out. That's hard if you're the type of person, which I, lots of car people are. I sense that you two are. If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. It's hard to surrender control and delegate. It's been so hard. We've yeah. hired a large handful of editors that I've ended up making so many notes going back and forth for two weeks on one episode. I'm like, I could have done this in two days. Like Mm. could have stayed up late for two nights, gotten a few hours of sleep, but kick this episode out. This could be out. And then I just end up doing it myself and staying up until the wee hours of the morning because I can do it. Mm. I can make it happen. Uh, So yeah, I mean, delegating is something I've got to get better at and being cool with a final product that maybe isn't, totally the way my brain sees it, but it'll be good. So yeah, yeah. it's, we've got to, we've got to reach some of those goals with the company in the business and the growth that we can expand onto the next level of like being able to take our minds and our, and our visions to the Mm -hmm. next level of the business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as long as social media is a thing and these platforms that we're investing time and content onto as long as they remain, we will keep growing and changing and moving with the industry and being ourselves and creating relationships that, that benefit everybody. And, and that's the goal. And as long as it's feeling right and we take the right approach and it feeds us as it is, then we'll keep at it. Thanks to Emily and Aaron Reeves for being our guests today. And thanks to all of you for listening to What Moves You, a Speedway Motors podcast. To see photos and watch video we referenced in today's episode, visit the toolbox at speedwaymotors.com. Email the podcast at podcast at speedwaymotors.com. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend where to find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.